What is going on, Voice Church? How you guys doing? Good. So good to see people actually in person. But man, if you guys are watching in person, so glad you're here. If you guys are watching online, we could not be more excited that you decided to join with us as a church family. So whenever you're taking time out of your schedule to watch us, man, we love and appreciate it so much. Um, like Natalie said, if, for those of you guys who don't know me, maybe watching online for the first time or here for the first time, uh, my name is Mike. And I help serve here at Voice Church, and sometimes uh, Taka and Natalie give me the opportunity to preach. Uh, God bless them. So Taka and Nat, thank you guys so much for the opportunity. Uh, but listen, I just want to dive right in. If that's okay with you, the sun's uh, going down, and I just want to dive right in. We have been in a series called Hello, My Name is Jesus. And we are unapologetically going through the book of Luke, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, page by page, diving into who Jesus actually is. See, the reason why we're doing this is because a lot of times, man, bias can get in the way. Opinions can get in the way. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to take you through a journey of actually seeing what did Jesus talk about? Who did Jesus hang around? And, and what did he actually do? And what was he like when he was living here on earth? And so that's what we're doing. So for those of you guys who like to follow along in your Bibles, you can go ahead and go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25 through 37. Verse 25 through 37. Uh, but before that, I like to give each and every message I preach a title. Uh, it helps me remember, and hopefully it'll help you remember. So if you are taking notes, I want you to go ahead and title this, Mercy Me. Mercy Me. As I was preparing, um, I started thinking about this whole concept of mercy. And I don't know about you, but for me, there's definitely been moments and seasons in my life, and I do say seasons because there's definitely been elongated periods of time where I have not been the best at sharing mercy with other people. And for those of you who don't know, mercy is, all it is, is breaks down in the definition of undeserved kindness. And so there's definitely been moments and times in my life where I have not been the best at extending this undeserved kindness to people. And I skipped my counseling session this week, so I'm just going to have it with you guys, okay? So I want to tell you about this moment that I had with my family. Uh, so my mom and my stepdad were coming in from Indiana, and they were getting in on like a Friday at like 11 o'clock. And I wanted to take them somewhere fun. I'm like, well, they're getting in at 11. Give us a couple hours. We'll, we'll chill for a little bit. And then let's go to dinner somewhere. So I was asking my wife, Tiffany, hey, where should we take my parents? And after talking, we're like, oh, let's take them to the Irvine Spectrum. And for those of you guys who are local, you know, it's a pretty sweet spot. For those of you guys who don't know, Irvine Spectrum is this big outdoor mall. It's got a big Ferris wheel and a carousel. And it's, it's just awesome. And so I was like, yeah, let's take them there. It'll be a fun, like, first introduction to California. And so we get there. And I, I was so excited to take them there, I forgot what the Irvine Spectrum was like at Friday at 5.30 p.m. And this is pre-COVID. It's, it's almost, you know, it's like a glimpse into hell, really it is. Because it's like, it's wall-to-wall -wall people, you can't get anywhere without, like, literally elbow-to-elbow. -elbow. It's constantly filled with people, kids, and, and whiny adults, and all these things. And I, we get into the parking lot. And I'm already, my meter of I can handle this is already almost filled. And so I'm starting to look at Tiff. I'm like, yo, maybe this isn't a good idea. Because when I get around crowds of people like that, I, I, there's this pet peeve that I have. And maybe you guys can track with me, but this pet peeve I have is people who don't pay attention to themselves. You know the people that I'm talking about? If you don't, you're probably that person. Um, but it's this person that, like, when you're walking in like a lane of traffic, like there's foot traffic, right? You go this way, other people are going this way. They just choose to stop for no reason, dead center and tie their shoe rather than move off to the side. Or they start pointing at nothing or they start talking with their friends. And it's like, bro, move. Otherwise, I'm going to judo kick you in the head. Like I need you to get going because I'm trying to make my way to where I'm wanting to go. 
And so I told Tiff, literally in the parking garage, we're taking the stairs because we're a healthy family. And so on the stairs down to go into the spectrum, literally this person in front of us is like this, no joke. They're just walking down the stairs like. And I, I, I just wanted to kick him out the window. I really just wanted to like, bro, come on. Like I'm trying to get where I'm supposed to go. I'm trying to get my family. So we're there. We're trying to have a good time. And there's this one group in particular. And I will say this. Sometimes when I'm around these people for too long, there's an urge inside of me to do something that kind of helps snap them back to reality. And I, I don't know how to explain. I kind of bark at people. And it's not this, like, low, like, I do this thing where I'm like, you know what I mean? Because it, it, it helps get them back on track. It helps them to be like, oh, snap, like, what just happened? And it makes them realize that they're not the only living person on this planet, right? So we get there, and this one in particular group of people is bouncing around, and they're almost, like, following us because we can't get rid of them. And they're always around, and they're loud. They're not being super respectful to people's personal space, Right? And it's this group of middle school girls. And some of you are literally nodding as soon as I said that. You're like, oh, my. But here's the thing. I don't know why it makes it worse, but this made it worse. They all had Starbucks cups. I don't know why that makes it worse, but it literally just made it worse. Because, one, I know they didn't pay for it themselves. And, two, I know that they're not doing, like, real coffee. Like, they're not getting Dopio espressos. It's like Frappuccinos, which is just sugar. Like, shame on the baristas, right, that just gave them drinks to antagonize my life. And where are the parents? Where are these parents of this group of middle school girls that are just by themselves running rampant? So you have Sophie, Bridget, and Bonnie and the gaggle that they're with all just kind of messing around and going crazy. And I'm like, please, Jesus, I just want to have a good meal with my family. And so then we finally get to dinner. Now, here's the thing. I told Tiff, I'm like, listen, I may bark at somebody. I may, I may do it tonight. And she goes, Michael, please. Please, for the love of everything good and holy, please do not bark at someone. And like the things you have to tell your 30-year-old husband. Like, please just don't bark at someone. Your parents are here. Be respectful. And I'm like, I can't make any promises. I'm not going to make a promise because I might, it might happen. So we get to dinner, and I start to, start, start to kind of relax. But here comes Bridget and Sophie again. And this time, they're like in a tussle of some kind. And they're, like, kicking something around, and they're like, oh, my gosh, no, that's yours. It's mine. It's there. It's there. And I'm like, what is happening? And so they're fighting over a penny on the floor. And so, like, kicking this penny around and all this stuff is going down. And I'm just like, do you know the value of a penny? Like, leave it alone. What happens is Sophie's rear end gets right next to my wife's face. No joke. We're sitting down, and Sophie's, like, bumping Bridget out of the way trying to get this penny right next to my wife's face. And so there's this scene that happens in the movie 300 where Gerard Butler, now just track with me, I promise you that we're going somewhere. I'll get to the text in a minute. But Gerard Butler has this messenger come and deliver some really bad news. And after the news is delivered, Gerard just wants to go nuts on this guy, but he doesn't for a second. He refrains and he looks to his queen, he looks to his wife for like the affirmation nod. Fellas, you know what I'm talking about? Like, if your wife gives you the go-ahead, it's on and cracking, right? Like, you know the look. And so Gerard Butler looks at, looks at his queen, his wife, and she just gives him the look like, kick him down the well. And that's when the moment when Gerard Butler's like, this is Sparta, boom, right? And everything just goes nuts. I'm looking for the same look from my wife. I'm looking at her, looking at me, looking at Sophie's rear end, and I'm just like, give me the look. 
and guys, she gives me this look like, kick her down the well. Now, I didn't have a well. There was a fountain I could have utilized, but I had a bark welling up inside of me. So from my toes to my stomach to my throat, I let out the loudest and shrillest bark I could. I go, and I saw Bridget and Sophie jump up, spin around, and slide on their butts while spilling their Starbucks drinks all over. Now, church, was I proud of that? 100%. Without a doubt. I had no shame in my game. It was the proudest moment I've had in a long time. But then my wife is, and the funniest part about it to me is I didn't even address what I had just done. I just kept eating my dinner and talking to my mom. I was like, bet. Like, and my wife is like all apologetic. Like, I'm sorry he does this sometimes. Like, I'm sorry, like, my husband barks at people. Like, I don't know what to say. All that to say is sometimes I've had moments in my life where I'm a little short on mercy. I'm a little short on this idea of undeserved kindness. And today what I, what I think Jesus is going to show us in Luke chapter 10 and 25 through 37 is there is an idea about mercy that I feel like especially right now in 2020 where we're at, we all could use a little bit more of undeserved kindness. So let's dive right into it. Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37, it says this. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions, which I think is weird, but he wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. He said a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead by the road. By chance, by chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. It says a temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but then also passed on the other side. Then, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wound with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If this bill runs higher than this, the next time I'm here, I'll pay you. Now, which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, yes. Now go and do the same. So a little recap here. We have an expert in religious law who's trying to test Jesus in his biblical knowledge because Jesus was rabbi or was carpenter turned rabbi. So now we have this expert in religious law trying to test Jesus' knowledge of their law. So we ask him, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies correctly, what does the law of Moses say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But then the expert in religious law says something a little weird. He says, he wanted to justify his actions, so then he asked, well, who is my neighbor? See, as a religious leader, he wanted clarification on who his neighbor was, thinking that Jesus, a fellow Jew, would also, see, because back then the belief was if you were a Jewish person, 
that your neighbor was your fellow brother and sister Jewish person, right? So he's trying to find justification, and this is why Jesus used this analogy in the story of a Samaritan coming to the aid of a Jewish person because to them, they thought that their neighbor was their own, was their own kind. Everybody else was less than, especially the Samaritans. And we'll get into that in a second. But he thought that Jesus was going to clarify and corroborate what he's already thinking. So then you have this no-name Jewish person. We don't know his name, but in the story, and we, but we do know that he was stripped naked, he was beaten severely, and he was left for half for dead. Now, here's the thing. I understand that this portion of the story may be hard to grasp because in the mean streets of Tustin and Irvine and surrounding areas in SoCal, we may not have physically seen someone naked, beaten, and left for dead. But I can promise you in 2020, you know of someone who has had their dignity stripped, you know someone that has had their morality beaten to crap, and you know someone probably who has had their humanity left for dead. We see it all over the news almost every day now, it seems. So if you look hard enough, I think we can actually see where this, where this story is going. And then, and here's the thing about this. As I read this, and even dealing with Sophie and the gaggle, I, I, I really try hard to have, to give people benefit of the doubt. Because I think that's what we should do, right? Like give them benefit of the doubt, which is why I didn't let loose and bark at them way earlier in the evening. And I, I read this passage, and I'm like, a priest. It says, by chance, a priest came by. Like this was this man's chance to be saved. By chance, a priest came by. So why did he just leave him? Why did the temple assistant just leave him? And I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt because maybe there's something that I don't see and as, like, upon further investigation, I realized there actually was some good reasons. See, back then, for a Jewish priest, they had many laws to follow, many things to, to uphold. But one of the major things that they just could not do is they couldn't even be in the presence of a resemblance of death. Because for a Jewish person back then, death represented sin. It represented the original sin, which is the fall of man that led to death. So a priest, even if he wanted to, he couldn't go near even the resemblance of death because he had to maintain a holy lifestyle. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, I, I get that. I get that. If I was raised with that theology and that understanding, I probably would have done the same thing. And back then, to be honest, the culture was kind of, it's an eye for an eye. So maybe this priest looked at this man who was laying there naked, beaten, and left for dead. Maybe he goes, he probably deserved it. I mean, he probably deserved it because someone probably just got him back for what he did. Now, I know, I know that nowadays we don't do that to people. Like, if people are hurt, it's probably because they actually deserved it. Like, no way in 2020 are we in a culture of people getting hurt for no reason. It's just back then that sometimes these things happened. But then... The temple assistant, why did he not help him? So I started looking up what a temple assistant did. And again, upon further investigation, I realized, yo, he had really important things to do. The temple assistant back then were the gatekeepers of the temple, meaning they ran security. So they only let the people who were supposed to be in in and kept everybody else out. This was a high-level job. And also, they led worship. They did songs for the temple. So I could just imagine, I've been in this moment where I've been on my way to work. I've been on the clock. I've been actually in pursuit of things of God and have left people, maybe not physically, but internally, psychologically, left dying on the road. I don't know if you've been there, but I have. 
I've seen people where I, I, I know they needed help. I know they needed a hand, but I was like, yo, man, I got stuff to do. I got godly things that I have to go do. I don't have time for that right now. I'm sure someone else will, will come by and snag you up. I, you, you'll be good, bro. I, I really believe that. I'm praying for you, man. But then we have the despised Samaritan. And to Jewish people, remember this, to Jewish people back then, Samaritans were discriminated against, they were marginalized, and they were hated on by Jewish people because they were a lesser breed of people. And so you have the Samaritan as the hero of this story, and look how he takes care of this dude. I, it's like, you guys ever go to a car wash, and, and it's like payday, and you can finally hit the $12 button instead of the $7 button? It's a totally different feeling, isn't it? Where you can finally get the rainbow wax that looks and smells good, and then you can get the undercarriage wash too and all that. This man got hooked up by the Samaritan. It says this. Let's read how he took care of him. He says, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Me and my wife have been watching Band of Brothers, and if you haven't seen it, it's an amazing show. But we've been watching Band of Brothers, and sometimes, because it's an actual like, depiction of what happened in World War II, man, some of these soldiers, they, they get limbs taken off. And, and sometimes when that happens, these medics, they come in, they're like, get the, get the tourniquet! And they're like spinning this thing hardcore, flinging the soldier on their back and running through mortar fire, and it's crazy. And they're just trying to get this dude to the, to the next person that can help them. But then you have moments in the show where the soldier gets hit, gets wounded, and then you have this soldier next to him that just feels a deep sense of compassion for them. So what they do in the show is they'll, you'll see sometimes the, sho- the soldier go underneath his friend, cradle him, start to like stroke his hair and soothe his wounds. It's a different level of compassion that this despised Samaritan was feeling for this Jewish man. You could even say it was a different kind of feeling that this hated on was feeling for his hater. No buck was passed here with the Samaritan. And I want you to hear this. Responsibility toward another human wasn't delegated away. Responsibility toward another human wasn't delegated away. And here's the crazy thing. The Samaritan didn't have to hear the background story of what this person may may or may uh, not have done to deserve what he got. He didn't have to, he didn't wait for someone else to come to the rescue. Because here's the thing, it says when he felt compassion for him, he simply just saw a bad thing happening to another human. What would the world look like? What would our church look like, our community look like if we just stopped for a second, recognized the fact that something bad has happened to another human? What would it actually look like to share a little? Before judgment, there was compassion. Before defamation of character, there was undeserved kindness what would we look like now at this moment I would typically say something along the lines of what would your school look like and what would your church look like and what would your workplace look like but here's the thing a lot of us haven't don't know what that looks like right now because we haven't been to school we don't go to work and we can't come to church so I'll, I'll put it to you like this what would your home look like What would your household look like if there was compassion and undeserved kindness like this running rampant in your home? Towards your kids, towards your spouse, towards your relatives. I don't care what curb appeal you got. We are in a beautiful place. 
This is an amazing place. And I'm so grateful that extended mercy and kindness was extended to us so we could have service here. But your house could be trash on the outside, but if your house resonated and overflowed with compassion and mercy and people saw it, you would have the most attractive house on the block. But Mike, I thought we were, you, you keep mentioning compassion and you keep talking about like our household. I thought we were talking about neighbor and mercy, like not like our kids, not like our spouse or like our, our close circle of friends. Like we're, we're fine. Like we're, we're okay. Yeah, I talk bad to them sometimes. And yeah, like I hurt their feelings, but like we're fine, right? Like we're talking about the downtrodden. Like that's really what this passage is talking about. And what's crazy is, before I get there, let's see how Jesus qualifies who our neighbor is. Maybe that will bring some clarification. So it says this, it says, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked, and the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. So the one who showed mercy was a neighbor. So that means that the one who was in need of mercy was also the neighbor. Now, I don't know about you and your family, but as for me and my house, we need some undeserved kindness running in that place. We need some mercy. We got a seven and a four-year-old. We need some mercy, some compassion. But maybe you're sitting next to a person or maybe you yourself are feeling that. Maybe you watching right now, you're feeling like you could use right now some undeserved kindness. And chances are, if you're feeling that way, the person sitting next to you does too. And if you don't, if you don't feel that, if you're like, no, nah, man, I'm good. I don't need any undeserved kindness. We would love for you to come here and teach us next week on how to live that kind of lifestyle. Oftentimes when this passage is preached, I feel like it's preached with this undertone of like, well, if I, if I do my good Samaritan deed, we've all heard that, right? I'm going to go do my good deed for the day. And typically when I hear people talking like that, it frustrates me because oftentimes like, oh man, I gave this homeless man or woman like some money, like, you know, and all this. So I did my good deed for the day. I held this door open for this, for this older person. Like, you know, I did my good deed for the day. Newsflash, we are blessed to be a blessing, especially if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. So if you're not doing that stuff on the regular anyway, we have a different issue. But in, you, in this story, it's not the downtrodden that was mugged. It was a Jewish man who was traveling. So he had means to travel. Not only that, he had things that people wanted from him, which is why he got mugged. So I think we need to change our perspective on how we're viewing people who need mercy. It's not just a downtrodden. It might, honestly, it might be the person that you live with that could use a healthy dose of undeserved kindness. And last thing I want to point out, the worship team can go ahead and make your way up. I wanted to remind you guys again, Jewish people hated Samaritans. They, they were a despised people. So the fact that Jesus uses this, so because some of you may be wondering, well, Mike, honestly, this story may not make sense because you, you're talking about undeserved kindness. Well, this dude didn't do anything to get mugged. This dude didn't do anything to get, he was just going, he was just traveling. And all of a sudden he got beaten up and left for dead. And, but who's the one who came to the rescue? A Samaritan. Now, I have to think as Jesus as a tactician in this moment, because here's the deal. For Jesus to, to use a Samaritan man, a despised Samaritan man, so he, apparently he already had a reputation of Jewish people not liking him. He used him as the hero in the story to render aid to the Jewish person. Can you imagine being that Samaritan man? 
coming up to a scene where you see a Jewish person who may or may not have already done you wrong in the past. Who may, not or, who may or may not have already taken advantage of you. And if he didn't, I guarantee you someone in his family did. So you could be walking along thinking, serves you right. And for some of us, that's how we view this whole mercy thing. Unless you're absolutely deserving. But that's the whole point of what Jesus did for us on the cross. When he shed his blood, he extended to us undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness kindness you guys can go ahead and play and make me sound more spiritual that'd be great now here's the thing I tried to come up with questions because I, I, I'm told all the time when you're public speaking and leave people with questions because it'll get them thinking about stuff after the fact And but here's the deal man after hearing what Jesus thinks about this whole concept of undeserved mercy undeserved kindness and, and compassion if that doesn't do something inside of you where you think to yourself man who have I who have I neglected to give this to freely who have who in my life that I've just passed by, like so many people passed this Jewish person by who was laying there naked and beaten and half dead. How many times have I walked by someone because of whether who they were, how they looked, even how they treated me? I have denied them the same mercy that I have prayed for for so long. Guys, now more than ever in 2020, whenever you're watching this, it has been ridiculous. It almost seems nonstop. I don't ever, I'm 31 years old, and I don't ever remember a time in my life, and maybe I just was ignorant to it, but I, there's so much divide. There is so much hatred toward people. All of because of opposing differences and views. Can we please be a people, especially if you claim faith in Jesus, to actually extend the same mercy to other people that you desire for yourself so much? Can we be a people who extend undeserved kindness? I want you to ask yourself, you want to question, what would it look like if I did that this week? What would it look like if I lived my life like that? Could you be taken advantage of? Sure, you could. But you could also, like the Samaritan did in this story, you could also save someone's life. So some of you may be asking, well, what now? What do I do now, Mike? Well, I'll tell you. It's very simple. Jesus told us. He said, now go and do. Now go. Now go. Don't hesitate. Don't take too long to contemplate how that looks. He said, now go and do the same. Extend undeserved kindness to every single person you encounter like I've extended it to you. Now go and do the same. I wish I could give you bullet points on how that looks and what it would look like for you as an individual, but you know you know what it looks like to give undeserved kindness to people because you know how you would want it to look for yourself. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. And I hope that we are going to go now, wherever you're watching, whoever you're watching with, that we're going to go from this point on, now knowing the truth about how everyone is entitled to a little bit of undeserved kindness and mercy. So will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you give a roadmap to life. 
that when, when things seem so crazy, when people are at their worst moments, you still give us truth about how we can reflect who you are and what your kingdom looks like. This idea, God, of undeserved kindness, this mercy, this compassion toward an individual, toward another human being that should trump our judgment, that should trump our preconceived thoughts about who they are. God, I pray right now that every single person watching now live or, or tuning in some other time, I pray, God, that you would convict our hearts and show us how we can be more merciful toward one another. Because you were merciful to us for sure when we didn't deserve it. While we were still sinners, God, you died for us. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your, for your promises and your truth and your word. Help us to live more like you and less like ourselves every single day. It's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen.